Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. with the whole Joe Biden corn pop chain razor story yesterday. And, uh, and said, hey, Esther. And Stephen, <laughs> uh, Stephen Colbert liked that story also. Hey, this malarkey ends here, corn pop. Oh, really? Tell that to the balanced breakfast gang. That's 2% milk, he sliced banana, and your toast. This is about respecting the law of the pool. No bouncing on the board, no swimming after you eat, and no running by the pool. You could slip and hurt yourself. And then I'd have to hit you with this chain. I miss you, corn pop. His eyes filling with blood. This guy's crazy. Now look, Barack. <laughs> oh, sorry. I was just thinking of Barack Obama, my best friend in the whole world. He's currently one year old. I'm just looking out for you. And I'm sorry I called you Esther Williams. Because I realize that even now, in 1962, that's a really old reference. <laughs> His eyes wow. bloody. He's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And this is with... For, uh, what happened to our numbers on the election? Because I really like this. That's with 400-some days to go if he's the nominee. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. Hmm. It'll be a long time for your, your, uh, your that sort of comedy. 
from Stephen Colbert, who hate, couldn't hate Trump more. You know, as many a man or a woman can attest, when you're trying to woo someone, you're trying to win someone, you can keep your crazy hidden for a while. A but week and a half, that's what I figured out. Eventually, <laughs> it comes out. On Seinfeld, they called it her side, right. her other side. Joe Biden's, he, he can't, I mean, it's 139 days till they caucus in Iowa. That's that's a lot of day. <laughs> well, we'll see. We'll follow it. So uh, thanks to alert listener Rob, who sent along a link to an article by Michael Schellenberger, who I, I read semi-regularly in Forbes.com. Um, uh, sometimes I agree with him. Sometimes I don't. He, he mostly writes about economics and that sort of thing. But he's a smart guy. Um, and, and the headline is, Why California Keeps Making Homelessness Worse. I'm going to jump around best I can and, and try to make the point from this article. Jack and I were discussing off the air, maybe our, our One More Thing podcast, or even an extra long podcast, can be devoted to discussing this article in full, because it's, it's, it's quite long. Um, but I'll, you know, listen, sounds self-indulgent, maybe it is. Part of the reason... I'm so enthused about this, is it absolutely confirms the Armstrong and Getty theory of the West Coast bum explosion. Um, But it does so with great research and many, many, many quotes from people who are involved in dealing with the WCBE, the West Coast bum explosion. It's a funny contrast. The Sacramento Bee, the paper of record, the rapidly dying paper of record in the capital of Cal Unicornia, has an editorial about all the poo flowing into the rivers. Sacramento is a city where a couple of beautiful rivers converge. Well, actually, several rivers converge. It's the uh, second most likely devastating flood target in the U.S. after New Orleans. Did you know that? A little bit of trivia. Hmm. Anyway, um, and and it's a, a place where people really enjoy the rivers, kayaking, swimming, the rest of that. But there's so much poo now in the rivers, it's become dangerous to hang out at some of the more popular spots. And the point of the editorial is you've got to get uh, toilets, uh, porta-potties, whatever it takes, so these poor people can live there. Um, and, and they're arguing, and, and it's funny, some people are still on this. They haven't woken up. They're arguing, it's just because housing is expensive. These poor people, we need low barrier shelters. That's You can be hammered and drunk and on drugs and whatever, and we'll get you off the street. Housing first. Oh, and, and they're really dedicated to that point of view. I've lived places where it was too expensive to uh, to buy some place to live or rent, and I moved to a different town. And you lived and crapped in the river. <laughs> that's what I did. I'm sorry, my headphones malfunctioned I, there. I assume that's what you said. I decided to just crap in the river. You Stop. lived in a box and, and, and est in the river. Stop combining your issues. There are separate... I, I hate the blurring of issues. The, 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 if you got to want to talk about housing prices, that's fine. Those aren't the people in the river. That's not yeah, what we're talking you, about. You look at a lot of those people and you think, I just find it hard to believe that if apartments were $200 a month cheaper, that you would all of a sudden get your act together. So, you don't look like that kind of person. So interesting, uh, the uh, SACB, and it's it's left a problem, but the SACB uh, editorial board is still stuck in that utterly fallacious thinking. To the Mike and Shell, uh, Michael Schellenberger piece, um, it's... <sighs> It starts with 15 officials from the White House touring Skid Row in Los Angeles with the head of a local homeless shelter. This guy, Reverend Andy Bales, deals with tens of thousands of uh, homeless people, you know, through the years, feeding, clothing. He's a, he's a, he's a church guy. He's a reverend. 
and he's giving them the tour. This guy lost his lower leg to flesh-eating bacteria from contamination on Skid Row. He is literally up to his hips in dealing with the West Coast bum explosion. And he's talking about uh, four, four or five of the federal officials were from the EPA because human waste is flowing into the storm sewers. Um, garbage is everywhere. Experts fear the return of cholera and leprosy, rats, medieval diseases, typhus, etc. Yeah. Yes. Wow, biblical stuff. I shudder at the term medieval diseases. Yeah. yeah. Got 44,000 people living, eating, and defecating on the streets of L.A. And homelessness, well, that's an interesting sentence, is making people violent. Here's Reverend Bales again. We are seeing behaviors from our guests that I've never seen in 33 years. They are so bizarre and different that I don't even feel right describing the behaviors. It's extreme violence of an extreme sexual nature. I've been doing this for 33 years, and I've never seen anything like it. Boy, you got to listen to that person. Cops in the audience. I'm saying, go ahead, yell at your radio. Thank you, I heard you. That's tweakers. Tweakers become, uh, meth addicts, become utterly insatiable, amoral sex animals. It's one of the the effects of it. Ask any cop about a a meth bust. And Jack, I remember you brought this up years and years ago. You're going to find three things. You're going to find clutter, Porn and more clutter where these people are and sex toys and the rest of it. But so anyway, that's uh, to get back to the, the thread of the article. Remember when Whitney was living like that? Oh, Whitney uh, Houston, Houston surrounded yeah. by uh, sex yeah. toys. Yeah, it's the same it's reason. Yeah. Bale says he was one of the people who urged the U.S. government's Federal Emergency Management Administration to intervene. That's FEMA. We've been crying out for a National Guard like response. So how did things get so bad? In Cal Unicornia. The state has long prided itself on being humanistic and innovative, Schellenberger writes. Home to some of the world's largest public health philanthropies, best hospitals, most progressive policies on mental health and drug addiction. The Democrats have a super majority in both houses and the governorship. What went wrong? Mm. According to Bales and other experts, and we're going to go into detail on this, but man, if you have to, you know, get out, go to work, whatever, um, this is the part to take away. According to Bales and other experts, innumerable experts who actually deal with this stuff, California made homelessness worse by making perfect housing the enemy of good housing, by liberalizing drug laws, and by opposing mandatory treatment for mental illness and drug addiction. That sounds about right. Right. Then they go into Arizona, which has a very, very different experience. Every bit is accommodating a climate, et cetera, et cetera. Um, What happened in California isn't the first time that we progressives, says Schellenberger, let our idealism get the better of us. To understand how the current disaster unfolded, we have to go back in time um, back to, and he talks about the, the history of dealing with mental illness. Later in the piece, and again, I don't want to go on and on and on with, with this because it's not the nature of our show. We don't do like 45-minute long features on, on, on things. But these experts who actually deal with these people um, every single day make the point unequivocally, we have removed the disincentives to being a junkie. We have removed the disincentives to being a bum. We've made it so easy 
to be a junky bum that people feel no need to not be it anymore, especially because they're addicted at this point. Now, they also do mention, and they go into a great deal of detail, there are a lot of people who are mentally ill on the streets, and some of them are on drugs. They're self-medicating. They can't deal with their lives because they're so crazy. And they talk about the history of progressive mental illness treatment reform and how utterly bankrupt and corrupt it's been. And and again, another takeaway, I can't help myself. It's very much like we talk about on the show, the history of, of trends and fads in education. Academics get swept up in fads so often, and they just run away with them. And they, every, anybody who dissents is a bad person, and all the schools have to go this direction, then they veer to the other. Mental health treatment is the same thing. It's a history of fads. So, At any point in the article, does it say a good idea is to hand them a dollar bill in the median? Oh, Lord. No. No. And they are utterly you against... Idiots? Please stop doing that, you idiots. They are so utterly against, like, L.A. levying the billion, $1.3 billion in taxes that L.A. voters are levying on themselves to build housing. And this is the housing we've talked about that costs between $500,000 and $700,000 per unit for a person. And these people are like, this is insane. If you're going to use tax money, get 11,000 people or get get hundreds of people off the streets at the cost of 11,000 each, please. And tell them they can't be on drugs. You're enabling, you're killing these people with your misguided compassion. More on this to come. Yeah, and then just the overall um, uh, feeling in the air of uh, not being judgmental, which helps it continue also, which I feel like is coming to an end in a lot of your liberal places. But for the past several years, it's been, well, you shouldn't look down on them or, or, or have any... You know, negative attitudes toward them. It's right. it's their it's not their fault in any way. Yeah. Well, and, that's not a good idea. And and I tell you what, which what gives me hope is people like Daryl Steinberg, who's the mayor of Sacramento. He used to be the speaker pro tem of the Senate in California for years and years. This is one of the most powerful politicians in Cal Unicornia. He is pitching hard this idea of yeah, we'll help you, but uh, you got to do your part. And if somebody is left, as old Daryl is saying that. People are, are waking up. But, hey, the history of mental illness treatment reform movements is so interesting. And we'll hit that on the Armstrong and Getty One More Thing podcast today. It's available at armstrongandgetty.com or wherever podcasts are given away for free because we're stupid. Cool. Our text line is 415-295-KFTC. Armstrong and Getty. Interest in the story about the lady with PTSD and her uh, her emotional needs is entirely about the uh, term comfort monkey. You know, my, that's pretty much where my interest uh, begins and ends. Um, poor lady needs a comfort monkey. I'll say it a couple more times and we can move along. Comfort monkey, comfort <laughs> monkey, comfort monkey. <laughs> Although she's, you know, as amusing as a comfort monkey is, she actually has multiple comfort monkeys. The, the champ is the gal with the horse on the plane. Yeah. She is the poster child. Um. Anyway, sorry you had a rough life. I seriously am. 
and that you need macaques to uh, to calm you. They have uh, an election going on in Israel today, and we'll see if Benjamin Netanyahu uh, continues. He's already the longest-serving prime minister in the country's history, and he would take that even further. Um, I'm liking his chances because Iran bombed Saudi Arabia over the weekend. Yeah. I think he usually turned to a... Uh, a uh, guy who's been willing to uh, throw around a little uh, a bomb here and there. So he feels like they're under threat. So you're saying you think Netanyahu bombed Saudi Arabia <laughs> no. to enhance his chances? No, no, I'm Is not that what you're that. hinting at? God, I saw the other day he had a political rally last week uh, somewhere in Israel. And Israel's tiny, so you know, one of their towns you've heard of probably. Anyway, uh, air raid sirens go off. The announcers, the speakers go through. Bombs, incoming bombs. And he's in, he's up on the stage. Let's get to shelter. And he's as calm as can be. And I thought, well, yeah, that's right. He was a Israeli commando right. leading uh, forces in the middle of the night into Syria and various places and a whole bunch of different wars. He is a, he's a B.A., right. no doubt about it. Right. Real. Then he comes to the United States and gets a degree in engineering or some sort of science from MIT. He's one I of those, could have done that if one of I those wanted kind of to. He says, knowing he couldn't possibly <laughs> polish the boots of Benjamin Netanyahu. I have not watched a minute yet of Ken Burns' country music documentary. I mentioned that yesterday, and we got the text. Oh, you should see episode one, the the, the stuff about uh, ah, the singing brakeman, uh, the old uh, the train guy, uh, Jimmy Rogers. Porter Wagoner. Uh, record of the old 97s, Jimmy Rogers. But anyway, they said, you'll love the first episode, but I haven't watched it. Then we got this text. Ken Burns was the speaker at my son's Stanford graduation. Hey, decent humble brag, huh? That's a strong humble brag. You could have just said at my son's graduation. Yeah. You didn't need to say at my son's Stanford graduation. Almost got by me, though. (laughs) So that's why it's so skillful. Well played, sir. Or madam. He said Ken Burns was the speaker at my son's Stanford graduation. All he talked about was his hatred of Trump. It ruined the ceremony for me, and I'll never watch another Ken Burns production again. Yeah, he is tough to take when he he gets started on politics, the little elf. Uh, uh, we gosh, my uh, my oldest kid, Kate, um, who, oh man, she's struggling right now. Oh my god. Anyway, um, she's on. Uh, I I don't have time to go into details, but anyway, uh, at her college graduation, the the speaker was a woman who decided to kick it woke, uh, social justice oh, warrior god, style. Please don't do that. And it just it was awful, just awful. Can't we just stick with a little, uh, you know, what it's like to graduate from college and go out into the world? You know, for all the parents that are in the crowd that are so happy their kid is now out. <laughs> yeah. 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 I am a, a little bit of, uh, how about some good, you're going to have to start at the bottom. You feel like you're on top today, but you're going to have to start at the bottom. But do it and kick ass in your, your first job, even though you think, I'm better than this. You probably are, but just. Do it. Do oh, yeah. Speech, speech is about you're going to have rah, rah speech. You're going to have bosses you hate. You're going to you're going to have things happen to you. Oh, aren't fair. No, no. This speech, that was the other aspect of it that I hated. It was all you are so special. What you've done is so incredible. You should be so proud of yourselves. I'm thinking, look, there are millions of people listening to the same speech. You're not more special than them. Uh, just you, d- d- give them some reality. That's doing them a favor, but no, instead they went with the woke snowflake thing. 
But at least Trump didn't come up. That would have been inappropriate, as he was still a game show host. (laughs) (laughs) What's in your news, Marshall? Well, we got a new report out. The U.S. has determined the launch locations for the missile attacks on Saudi oil facilities. Got a lawsuit charging one of the most popular heartburn medications with causing cancer. And Jeopardy host Alex Trebek's latest health update. Okay, all on the way. And uh, did you mention the celebrity death? Well, we'll hit you with that again at the beginning of the news on the way. Armstrong and Getty. kids really got into American Ninja Warrior for a while. We were watching it every single day, and I didn't realize it's now had 11 seasons. It must be like Dancing with the Stars, where mm-hmm. you do three seasons per year or whatever. Yeah. But yep. anyway, a guy won the other night, um, Drew Dreschel. First time somebody has won a total victory in which you complete the stage three course and climb a 75-foot rope at the end. Oh. He's the only person that made it through everything and then a stage I didn't even know they had. Then a 75-foot rope. Oh, my God. Anyway, so this guy is uh, the all-time ultimate Ninja Warrior winner, and he does it in cargo pants, which is pretty impressive. That could make him cool again. So oh, they are cool again. I read that the other day in GQ. Yes. Cargo pants are back yes. for fall. If you yes. I don't believe you. Which and means, Sean, and I thought of you at the time, yeah. which means you have reached the age where you become unfashionable because you just can't go back to something that you had dismissed. You reach an age, everybody does, mm. where you can't keep changing with the times. Right. You just decide, I'm not going to do that. The I'm just stuff gonna, I got now is the stuff I'm wearing. I'm just going to have to be well, out of style because I'm not I'm not going to high-waisted jeans, for instance. I will not wear high-waisted jeans. Please. It ain't going to happen. Not at gunpoint. <laughs> I feel like these articles only come out when some department store realizes they have two years of back stock of cargo shorts they never well, got cargo, rid of in the first place. I was place. just going to say cargo pants and cargo shorts, their summary cousin. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking yes. the guy who was the big star in American Ninja Warrior is uh, is known what's in style right now. But anyway, so I'll have to find it, find that episode somewhere online and play it for my kids. They'll love that. The greatest American Ninja Warrior of all time. Yes. Let's get the news now with Marsha Phillips. A U.S. intelligence agency believed the weekend attack on the Saudi oil refinery was indeed launched from Iran. NBC News cites several sources familiar with the case, saying there's compelling evidence showing the attack originated inside Iran's borders and was not just carried out by Iranian proxies. And CBS News says the U.S. has now identified the exact locations in Iran where the combination of 20 drones and cruise missiles were launched against the Saudi facility. I am so interested in the response and and how it is being formulated. If there's anyone listening who's highly placed in the CIA or Department of Defense, State Department, I promise I won't say a thing if you just let me sit there and listen to the meetings. What are they discussing? Who's on the phone? Cyber attacks, bombings. So cyber attacks. Or, 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 or ninja warriors, not literally, but but uh, special yep. forces carrying out something quick and nasty. So you explained the advantage of a cyber attack last hour and that you can attack, do damage, the government will know. The population won't feel like they're attacked, so they won't rally around the leaders. Right. But how Especially about, if the information comes out bit by bit or in six weeks. How about for the attacked company, a country, though? We need to rally around our leader when we're attacked and uh, and feel mm. like we got our payback. Not that we have weak leaders. 
And I felt like Trump was kind of weak after the Iranian shot down our drone. Turned yeah. out we unleashed the most serious drone at, or uh, cyber attack ever on Iran. This is a rarity, but in Obama's defense, there were a couple times where he seemed to yep. not be doing anything, and uh, actually we'd unleashed a horrendous cyber attack. So that's the other side of yeah. it. If you're the country that was attacked... You look kind of weak to your population when you right. might be really unleashing some serious stuff. It's or having your big brother of the U.S. do it. Yeah, the Saudis. Uh, yeah, they definitely have to hold on to their legitimacy as a regime because they're they're a little shakier than I think a lot of people realize. Sad news today: Emmy award-winning journalist Koki Roberts has died. Her family is saying it was complications from breast cancer. She was 75 years old. She'd been diagnosed in 2002, and then it looked like it went into remission. She'd recently said uh, over the last few months she was having health issues again. I felt like her role on NPR, which is the only place I ever came across her over the last several years, was as a kind of traditional uh, Democrat gently pointing out to the new crazy crowd how they're wrong about things. And I really enjoyed her playing that role. Yeah, great grasp of history, too. She did some features that were really, really enjoyable to remind you of, of how we got to where we are. And we got a couple of uh, South Florida I'm residents. Sorry, I just wonder, she was also a very, very nice person. Yeah, I talked to her several times. Nice. I disagreed with her on a lot of stuff, but she was always genial and respectful and just a, a great journalist. Pleasant. You yes. don't get that much pleasant right. in uh, in major media anymore. Yeah. Those, those anchors on friggin' CNN are pr- pretty unpleasant, for instance. Yuck. <laughs> A couple of uh, South Floridians are now claiming a popular heartburn medicine gave them cancer. Joseph Galamidi and Nancy Lopez suing the makers of Zantac over concerns the medicine contains what the FDA calls a probable carcinogen. I use Zantac. Yep. Well, Lopez was diagnosed with breast cancer seven years ago despite no family history, and she does believe it was because she started taking Zantac when she was a teenager. She is telling... How, uh, how much does she eat of it? I mean, come on now. She was telling NBC uh, Miami the lawsuit's not about money, but about saving lives. The uh, good folks suing uh, Monsanto over and over again for Roundup right. have just carved off a couple of their lawyers to look into the Zantac thing. And on another note, well, I'll tell you, we're kind of running into some themes here. Jeopardy host Alex Trebek says he's had a setback in his battle with pancreatic cancer and is undergoing chemotherapy again. Trebek telling Good Morning America after a short period of optimism when he stopped chemo, his numbers shot up and his doctors ordered him back on treatment. The doctors have decided that I have to undergo chemo again, and that's what I'm doing. And it has different effects on you for some reason, and I don't understand why. Occasionally it will cause excruciating pain in my lower back. Other times it's fatigue. Other times it's nausea. It, it varies. Oh, it's fun. Um, I wonder why he's uh, so willing to give interviews about every stage of this. Just his thing. Yeah, trying to demystify it. Some maybe? people don't say a word and they're dead all of a sudden. You think, yeah. what happened? You find out they're battling some cancer for right. five years. Yeah. Right. And yeah. other people uh, give constant updates like him. Anyway, he is uh, just uh, returned for season 36 of uh, the hit game show Jeopardy. It must be what he loves. I mean, yeah. I'm down to the end. I'm not sure that uh, hosting a game show is what I would do at my well, last pretty, moment. Pretty sure it's not. <laughs> I watched a two-minute supercut of Alex Trebet saying the word genre, and it was fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips here. I'm starting a Getty show, The Conscience of the Nation.
A lot of people suggesting to me the Ruger Mini 14. As I said, I want to get an AR-15. They said it does the same things, but because nobody's heard of it, uh, it doesn't have the whole boogeyman thing, so they haven't passed laws about it. It's exactly the same sort of thing. So that's Yeah, if you really get into the gun laws things, it's complicated, and a lot of it is phony. Yeah, And I don't know how much of the stuff that gets passed people know it's phony or they actually feel like they've made a big dent. Like slightly different kinds of handles. Mm-hmm. This one is, you know, clearly going to lead to school shootings. This one's okay. What's the difference? I don't know. But, uh... Yeah, some of the politicians are just cynics and they, they understand their constituency. will see them fighting for them even though they realize this will do nothing and it won't pass anyway. But, but some of them I think are true believers. Like AOC. I just, I'm... Eh, I certainly think she believes the crap she says. She got them real tries. Well, yeah, clearly she got them. She got them. Lesson 11,275,312 on why you shouldn't mess with Mother Nature and think you can outsmart it. Coming up next on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. A genre category. This genre of art, this genre of novel, this genre of game, this alliterative genre, this fantasy genre, this spooky genre, this popular genre, this six-letter genre, this genre about a low-born scamp, the genre of American local color ballet, the sword and sandal genre, a Japanese cartoon genre, a TV genre, 1970s genre of film, the 60s musical genre, this very American genre of music, king of this musical genre, master of this literary genre, leader in this colorful music genre. It's fascinating. It's it's hypnotic. So, you know, you hate to criticize somebody battling stage four pancreatic cancer, but... But, um, see, when I say that, there's no but. I don't, <laughs> I don't criticize. But, hey, Alex Trebek, do you need to say, <laughs> really, to show you're smarter than everybody else? Well, it's just the proper uh, French pronunciation. <laughs> I took six weeks of French in, uh, I think, my freshman year of high school. And uh, I remember the poor lady trying to f- teach me how to pronounce, like, and I shouldn't even try because I'll get it wrong. But it's like, it's not genre. It's genre. This literary genre. genre. You don't, you, it's not ra, it's ra. Ra, 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 And I try it. All right, ra. <laughs> and she goes, no, 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 no. Not, not genre. Not genre, it's genre. genre. No, that's too, ah, uh, genre. And this like, literary genre. genre. I've had enough. I'm taking German. Like an the master's right. And I'm taking German. I'll march into this French class and you'll do what I tell you to do. Oh, no. too soon. Everybody from the Germany class will march into the French class. <laughs> and have a history lesson. Yeah, exactly. And we'll, exactly. And we'll have a history lesson. And we'll do what we tell you for a while. <laughs> Till the people from the American history class come in here with the help of the run. Anyway, too much of this metaphor. Quatre. Un, deux, trois. Quatre. 
Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, listen, I'm listening. I took him for the team today. I actually listened to CNN for a while. And they interviewed the two gals from the New York Times who, who wrote that, that Kavanaugh book everybody's talking about right now. And uh, that the article in the New York Times that conveniently left out all sorts of facts just fundamental to whether the shocking new allegations uh, mean anything. And a couple of things I came away from the interview with were, number one, the part everybody's making a big deal about, they said, that's not, it's not what the book is about. That's two paragraphs. That happens all the time. Yeah, yeah it's just it's the like, most gossip-worthy little yeah. chunk. And it, it does happen every single time. Most recent example, before mm-hmm. this one, uh, Mad Dog Mattis's book. There was a tiny amount of Trump in there, and everybody seized on that and talked about it for days. It's it, The book is almost 99.9% not about that. Right. Right. And it's a shame, too, it when it's you talk about a, a guy like General Mattis, who has an amazing story to tell, has lived an amazing life, and he's an amazing human being. So this is from the nonfiction genre? Yes. Yes. That was pretty good. Uh, anyway, uh, so uh, uh, factoid uh, number two I took away from it was it is uh, the book was is allegedly ostensibly about high born drunken yearly entitled people doing what they do um which is not a topic i have much interest in um and, and that's really what they saw is the, the, the education of Brett Kavanaugh is the title of the book and it's about that culture um the the actual so did you did you get the sense that their goal was not to restart the Kavanaugh needs to be impeached conversation? Oh, no. No. They think that he did engage in drunken shenanigans, which occasionally involved people's penises being out, but there was no... uh, no, I'm ashamed of mine. I keep mine in. There was no... Allegation of anybody assaulting anybody is uh, the the one. So there are just a couple about... allegations they bandy about, but one of them is a hammered Brett Kavanaugh and his hammered friends. Somebody pulls down his pants and they bring him over to this hammered girl and they lay his schwanz in her hand. And nobody really remembers what happened. Everybody was wasted and everybody went on with their lives. And I'm supposed to impeach a Supreme Court justice over this? It's an absurdity. I mean, he was a child. He was a child. Um, but the other takeaway, and, and I ranted about this earlier in the show, and I, so I'm not going to go full bore, but I, I found it so interesting. The CNN jackasses, because they traffic in in the most naked, no pun intended, sort of sensationalism and rumor mongering and crap. They wanted to really focus on that tweet the New York Times put out yesterday um, that said... You might think that drunken shenanigans and putting a penis in someone's hand is innocent college fun, but you're wrong. And I heard it was controversial, and I thought, uh, why? Well, well, it turns out the woke crowd could not even take the idea that anybody would say, well, that's a bunch of drunk college kids being stupid. Follow me here now. The The woke crowd thought the two lady journalists, it was wrong to even suggest that somebody might even think that that was just stupid, innocent, college drunken fun. They're saying you shouldn't think that. Right, exactly. So them saying, you know, some people might think, well, we think you're wrong. 
Wow, that's weird. Yeah, We're into some you. weird territory there. I'm telling you, and I, I hope I'm explaining this correctly with your assistance, Jack. That is crazy. In attempting to... I didn't, I didn't catch this. I didn't understand what was going on with this whole yeah, thing. Yeah, I was afraid I hadn't explained the triple reverse well earlier. You are so woke, you can't even admit the possibility that someone would dismiss this. Now, you would think someone who was super woke would say, hey, you can't dismiss this. But they're so hyper woke, the gals from the New York Times can't even address that. Because that suggests that it might be okay. That is the sort of rigid, Maoist, cultural revolution insanity that ought to scare you. I mean, that's crazy. That's crazy. I don't... And the the strange part is the New York Times... Well, I tell you what, listen to these two gals. I have a suspicion they get what I'm driving at. Because the CNN numbskulls were trying to get them to admit who wrote that tweet so that they can be dragged into the street and, and beaten bloody. And and the rumor is the story is it's one of those two authors who actually wrote that tweet. But the New York Times has now like gone into the bunker, hunk, but they've gone to ground, as they say. And the official line is, it doesn't matter who wrote it. It was written. People talked about it. We put it out. We shouldn't have. It was wrong. We shouldn't nope. have. Wow. L- leave us alone. So... It's worth noting, I think, the New York Times, whose position is on the tweet, not on the article. The article was 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 terrible. Um, it was the worst sort of phony non-journalism. But anyway, but their position on the tweet is utterly defensible. They said, we're not even going to defend it. We're sorry. Who wrote it? We're so sorry. We're sorry. Don't hit us anymore. We're so sorry. Classic Stockholm Syndrome stuff, because their side has gotten that scary and dangerous. I'm telling you, these are weird times, dude. Yeah, that's why I want to get a gun. Um, Another gun. I have many guns. Uh, I want a shotgun. What shotgun should I get? Shotgun's uh, great. You don't you don't need to spend a lot of money? Well, you're not, like, going to hunt duck all day every day. It doesn't need to fire 8,000 rounds in its lifetime, probably. No. Yeah. No. You can get a, we have a Mossberg. You can get them at a big five sporting goods for like 400 bucks. It's a good, reliable weapon. Absolutely. Huh? Super. I'm on my way. There you go. Take that duck with your quacking and your flying. Uh, my brother, who's in the You're paddling furiously below the surface. My brother's been in the business of this sort of thing for a long time. He's a duck. He's a, he's a big arguer the for water ju- just going right off your backs. <laughs> God, I hate that. I'm sorry. What were you saying? He's a big believer that, that if you're just a regular person, shotgun's the way to go. Just oh, a big target and cheap. Point and, it in the general yeah, direction. When you're going to be scared to death and make sure it's not your daughter come home from college. Uh, obviously. Yes. Folks. Yes. Uh, yes. Gun safety. Very important. Uh, a year or so ago, read the uh, article in the New York Times, and then I brought it on the air. There was a bit of a debate that went on uh, among scientists. They'd come up with the ability to genetically modify the most dangerous beast in the world and perhaps eliminate it. The most dangerous beast being the... 
human. The, <laughs> the mosquito. Oh. The mosquito is the most deadly beast on Earth. Yeah. And, uh, and they'd come up with a, to, to genetically modify it so that they can't reproduce. No mosquito babies. And then so they got into the argument of whether or not that's a good idea. And some scientists were saying, yes, this is a great step forward. And other scientists say, no, this level of messing with Mother Nature, you, who knows what's going to happen. Yeah. Well, they tried it in one country. Um, and it has gone horribly wrong. Oh, oh no. really? Oh, yeah. no. oh, my gosh. We've buried the lead story. Yeah. Um, so they, they genetically modified the mosquitoes. They went away for a, lot, a long time in Brazil. They have now come back 18 months later. They thought they'd been successful. They've now yeah. come back 18 months later, bigger, stronger, almost impossible to kill, oh and my. way more of them. Oh, And resistance to the normal stuff to kill them. More on this. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Mini Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. 